by its management or the UC Board of Regents. Hi, this is Zach Galifianakis. You're listening to Cool Jazz Favorites. Hi, this is Zach Galifianakis. You're listening to Easy Listening Jazz Favorites. Okay. Hi, this is Zach Galifianakis. You're listening to KUCI Irvine 88.9. <laughs> KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Thanks for listening to me, ZBZ, and today with Anne Matsuchima Shu. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for calling in, and you're calling in from what city today? Uh, Torrance. I'm calling in from Torrance. That's where I'm right now. Oh, wonderful. So I'm talking to you about um, what you do and work and how you got there and what you want to do um, after where you are now. So tell us a little bit about your background and what got you to what you're doing now. Yeah, so I've been, um, my main thing right now is, um, well, I have, a, I have a background in art history. Uh, so I went to the and criticism and got a little bit into architecture um, but um, I just I just actually currently finished up an appointment at UCLA Asian American Studies Center Library and Reading Room so um, on on UCLA campus there's actually four ethnic studies libraries and um, the Asian American Studies is one of those four ethnic studies libraries and it's um, it's been around since uh, about uh, the late 60s, early 70s. Um, so it has quite a long history um, in terms of the founding of ethnic studies in L.A., but also um, in the States in general. Oh, and what did you do there in the reading room? Um, I, did, I did a couple of different things. I was wearing a lot of different hats uh, for the last couple of years. Um, and I started off, I started out, well, I've been a research assistant this whole time. Um, and I started off uh, working um, under a publication project. So we were, um, the publication is called Speaking Out for Personal Justice, and it's, uh, it was covering um, some hearings that happened in the 1980s um, uh, by the U.S. Commission of Wartime Relocation and Internment of Civilians, and it was basically um, on the path to getting redress for Japanese Americans who are incarcerated in World War II. So we were looking at a lot of testimonies that happened, like first primary source documents and uh, things like that. And I was working with a scholar, Aiko Herze Yoshinaga and Marjorie Lee, and they were the editorial board of this publication. So I was one of the many people on the team that was um, handling all the information and, and making it available for researchers. So that was pretty that was a that was a new experience for me to be handling as much information as was going through. <laughs> we were handling a lot of different testimonies, and we were um, trying to condense it down into something that could be published. There was there was um, a total of about seven hundred people that testified for these hearings. So we just wanted it to you know um, really um, pick out and highlight the ones that we felt were most significant and then we put it and we made it available for, for, 
for the people that spoke in the testimony to, to see and navigate through. Oh, wow. So you had to listen to 700? Yeah, it was already, it was already um, transcribed. It was actually, this has been a work in progress since the 80s. So we were helping um, Ms. Herzig kind of complete this project for herself. And she actually, um, she just turned uh, 84. So she's quite a senior scholar, um, but an amazing um, kind of ground roots community activist um, scholar within L.A. But she was originally actually from the East Coast. So it was really exciting to work with her. Well, that seems like a lot of work in, um, since the 80s, and I'm glad that this project, so you said it's completed now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, Japanese American incarceration, um, the, the issues in the community have been around since the 40s, since World War II. So it's been a long journey for, for a lot of these people to kind of get closure. But hopefully, hopefully this publication was is in the line of that legacy to get, to get them closure. So it was really interesting to work at it at it in the context of like library librarianship and in uh, uh, and and book culture and getting introduced to academic and scholarly work in that means you know. So as a, as a research assistant, you were working in the reading room, and so were you working with um, librarians and archivists? Yeah, yeah. Um, at the at the Asian American Studies Center. Um, Marjorie Lee is the head librarian and head archivist, and so I worked. I worked directly with her for the last couple of years on different projects, and she she is a personal mentor of mine, kind of guiding me on my own personal journey through through kind of archival studies and you know my own personal zine studies and um, learning learning what how to run a library and learning what entails to do archival work. So in the, la- in the last year, I've been mainly um, an archival assistant. So I was working on a, I was working on a collection um, by an Asian American mental health scholar. And so my, my job was to just like dive in there and work with hands-on documents. So it's really interesting pulling out these documents from, you know, uh, like the 30s, you know, and seeing old passports and diaries and really just interesting material. I really like archival work. Oh, yeah, that's why I love it, too. I have the same experience interning at the American Film Institute with mm-hmm. documents from the 30s and 40s, and um, I even see, yeah, airplane tickets and stuff. Yeah, really exciting to be able to be the one of the first people to go through that and do the inventory right you feel like a detective yeah <laughs> you're uncovering some sort of secrets or unlocking some sort of hidden things <laughs> that's why i like it yeah, i like uh, also be going back every week and seeing the same collection and a little bit a little bit more every week and yeah finding out more about it yeah yeah i i mean i really i mean in in both cases, with the publication and the ar- uh, and the archival work, um, I really I really got to see kind of this complete picture of what it takes to you know create a book and what it takes to even you know organize organize information, which I think a huge part of librarian um, their position is right is to manage all this information. <laughs> Yeah. So it was really interesting to see that side of it because I've only seen like the book side, right? The processing or even just like the patronship, mm-hmm. patronage. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I've in the last 
in the last six months, um, we've tried really hard at the reading room to kind of develop a small zine, zine collection or and zine project going. So it, it's been really exciting uh, for me to like be able to take part in that. It's actually um, the reading room has been collecting zines and um, chapbooks um, for a while, and they have all sorts of different types of self-published work in the reading room and and what I realized is that um, in the 70s during the third world movement and the ethnic studies movement that was happening in San Francisco and you know at, in LA um, is they were collecting what they I guess we would consider pamphlets and it's a, a lot of these pl like political pamphlets from organizations and uh, and the reading room houses hundreds of these pamphlets which is interesting because in conversations they're they're designated and classified differently as zines. So I, I've been having to really try to understand what a zine is, and you know, does it does you know in all these different types of self-published work and the, the categories and the names change? It's really interesting to to see where the lines are and where the intersections are between these you know pamphlet versus zine versus you know self-published chapbook versus comics and you know all these different categories yeah that question came up at the american library association annual conference in anaheim a week or two ago and they had a zine talk and they were giving mm. a presentation and there was one of the powerpoint slides was what is a zine and um, one of the librarians in the audience asked well what about um art books are those can sometimes considered zines and they said what they've noticed is like the price is de is sometimes a lot of times what gives the difference like zines are usually you know not m more than a couple bucks and then art uh -huh. books can be uh, very expensive so that's just how they just have a different uh, group that check wants to see them and they add different type of value to the library i guess that's you know some artists they consider their art book to be you know like any other piece of art, hundreds of dollars. So yeah, yeah. Did, was this the first time that the library in conference had a zine workshop or a zine? Yeah, it was one. Yeah, one. They mentioned it was one of the first times they were recognized by the library association as um, you know an, an official talk uh, section, a zine pavilion. They had their, own, but they got a lot of support, and it was nice to be um, there and seeing. They said that you know they, they had a lot of. Um, people speaking and it was really good information um, they're trying to share with all the libra libraries and librarians and a lot of yeah a lot of libraries are doing a zine collection and that's what they were trying to promote was how to start your own zine collection at your institution and like where to get them how and what to do yeah, how to catalog yeah. them and yeah. label them yeah well most of the z i mean it's not all of the zines that uh, at the reading room have all to do with um under the scope of Asian American. So whether or not the author or the artist is Asian American or whether or not the author or artist is like speaking about their Asian American identity or whatever or not, um, it's it's pretty interesting to see and to dive into that uh, specific group of zine makers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I met you at um, Los Angeles Zine Festival. Yes, which was amazing. Um, that was a really incredible day. Yeah, I think the I, I feel as if the zine community is really mobilizing right now, and the momentum is very very high. Um, 
almost internationally, right? I, I keep seeing, you know, zine conferences and zine festivals popping up every month all over the place, UK, Japan, here, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's, really, it's really becoming a, um, a popular but still um, a way of expressing, like, subculture and counterculture. Oh, yeah, it's great to read other people's zines to trade, and I'm excited to be um, at the next year's festival as well. Are you planning to be there again? Yeah, yeah. I, I um, Actually, my husband and I, we, we have a small press called Eyeball Burp Press, um, but we are actually currently um, in the move to relocate to Portland for a while. Oh, wow. So, um, but we, we uh, LA is my hometown, so I, I plan on making a point to keep investing in, in LA for the time being, but we're just giving us a little breathing room. <laughs> How long have you had the press publishing? Uh, since 2008. And how's, how's that been going? How'd you start that up and get involved with publishing? Um, you know, um, after after I graduated from um, college, um, I tried a, uh, about a year or two stint uh, diving into social work, and um, it, it was it was a difficult journey for me um, to to do hands on social work. Um, I just I felt like at the time I I wasn't um, able or I didn't have the resources to have a um, an art outlet. Um, this was this was in Atlanta, Georgia, actually. So I, I, I moved back to LA um, after that stint, and I just was feeling very pent up in my uh, and with our, a lot of artistic frustration. And um, I was given a box of old Asian American publications from the seventies. A friend of mine had given me given uh, my family a box of, of goods. And, and when I was, like, rifling through the box, I found two zines, or what I suppose were zines. Um, one was the first copy of Giant Robot, the magazine, the Asian American pop culture magazine. Um, the first issue is a black-and-white Xerox stapled kind of... Um, just zine, no, no, no fancy cover. Just you know, all paper all the way through. And the other one was um, this um, journal that the Asian American Studies Center at UCLA actually publishes currently. But it was the first copy of the first volume of the first issue, and it looked like a zine too. It was just black and white, stapled. And so I was looking at these two two zines, you know. And I and I was and I'm a I was a subscriber of Giant Robot while I was still going. Um, and so I was. I, I read through it, and I was really inspired about um, how 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 it went about, how the editors went about it, and um, the the kind of looking at the process of going from a zine to a magazine. I was really inspired by that that they started off as a zine and they somehow got to a color glossy magazine. So I went about just copying that first issue and making my first eyeball burp zine, which was essentially just uh, a compilation of a lot of different uh, stories of my friends and uh, images and drawings and pictures, and it started off like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was, uh, it, it, I, 
it was funny because like my community gave me so much critique on my first one. The the print size is too small. You know, you know, you should write about this instead. And and at the time, I was um, uh, I did the whole layout on Microsoft Word. Oh. <laughs> I, I still don't. I feel like it was such a it was such a um, interesting process to do it on Microsoft Word. And then as I as I kept going on with zine making, they got different better programs, right? But um. So four years so, later, how is the publication now? Oh, it looks really different. I mean, um, right now, it's kind of transformed itself. I mean, we were kind of trying to do, like, more of a magazine format in the very beginning, and it just wasn't working, you know. It just was trying to be in magazine, and it really wasn't. And then as the as the issues went on, we're actually only... We're, we're currently working on our seventh issue. So it's kind of like a biannual thing, and we publish other different projects um, in the meantime, but our, the, our whole serial piece is actually only on our seventh issue. Um, but it's changed over the issues. Each issue looks really different, and the last two issues have been just almost like art zines. Like we just kind of feature artists, and we feature sometimes writing, but mostly visual arts. And we'll just uh, take our favorite artists internationally, friends of ours, and and we'll just uh, publish the art the artwork that we really are excited about. <laughs> and that's and that's kind of what Ivolverp has become. Oh, that's so exciting! It's, it's it's yeah, it's it's been really. It started off as more of this like community piece, and then as it went along, it's kind of morphed itself. I mean, it still essentially is our community piece because it's the artists are both coming out of our very like my husband and I are co-editors of it, so it's both coming out of our very personal lives, but also these artists that we're meeting over the internet or meeting you know through zine conventions and different things like that, and that we're just like you know you you see their artwork and you're just a automatically drawn to it we just can't explain it almost sometimes and so those are the people that we like to publish normally it's pretty underground work um but there is there is um my husband who's a, a visual artist he's um an illustrator and really trying to define or be a part of the definition of what has been considered like called the doodle movement or the doodle scene. So it's just a lot of people that draw black and white drawings, and some of the some of the original people that are kind of uh, are founding founding this is artists like Mark Bell and different things like that, and um, they they draw these kind of like very uh, cartoony. Um, uh, stream of conscious doodles and so a lot of what we publish is along the same lines artists that are doing similar work to that but re- more recently because i'm a i'm a, i'm a collage artist um we've been trying to publish more collage work or just you know and, and now we're printing in full color so it's it's transformed itself over the years oh i saw that yeah, I was excited to see your um, in-print color collage because I do uh, mine just black and white. It was the first time I made a zine like that, and mm-hmm. I tried some in color, and that's yeah, a different um, black and white versus color, but then the collage is a really cool idea that um, I made for my first zine, but I noticed that my friends uh, at my booth that had um, text were selling more than the visual collage, and I wasn't sure why mm-hmm. that was peop- if people want, would rather read stories yeah yeah i don't i don't i have no idea what people want yeah (laughs) 
I mean, I have no idea what people want, and I have no idea what the the the, the general public would be excited about. <laughs> but I I think it's almost like it's like teaching. It's it's a little bit like teaching where you're not sure what they want. Uh, but you know what you want, and you know what excites you, and it's about introducing that language, even if it's visual language, to people. So slowly, just introducing it to them and giving a lot of zines for free. Play. Yeah, I did. And then people being like, "Wow, like, what is this? How do you? What do you? How do you? What is a zine? Or what is? You know, what what is? What's going on here?" And then, uh, you know, a lot of times, I, I'm just learning how to articulate a lot of these things. You know, so. Yeah, and I remember your husband did um, a drawing that was a, on a T-shirt that could be screen printed for the festival. Is that correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he does a lot of that too. Yeah, Alex, Al- uh, Alex does a lot of uh, paintings and silk screening, and he uh, built our kitchen table, so he works a lot with wood. Oh and wow! Things like that. Yeah. And then, um, did you guys have a website for your publishing? Yeah, it's just eyeballburp.com. Yeah, um, sure, you can um, go and check out our, uh, some of the publications are posted on, on our blog and on our website, or, you know, if people, people want to support us, they can support us through that website as well. It's exciting, so you're very creative, and then you just finished the, basically being an ar- archivist assistant for a few years in the archives, so was that something you were thinking of doing, is becoming a librarian or archivist? No, you know, it was really, it was really random. I mean, I think I originally went into CLA with the intention of giving them some of my zines. I was, I, you know, right after college, I was kind of, I was kind of running, running into walls in terms of what I was, what I wanted to do in life. And um, I worked barista job after barista job after barista job. And after a while, I was like, okay, what's next? You know, this is my like fifth time working as a barista. Right. So, um, and I worked coffee all those years. And uh, so I just took a shot in the dark and I went out there and uh, I gave the library some of my zines. And then um, I started talking with the librarian, and I just, I, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm a thinker who thinks out loud while I'm talking. Sometimes I'm not even planned out what I'm going to say. And so as I'm talking uh, to the librarian there, I just realized that I had this, like, really um, intense desire to, uh, it, for printed matter, for zine making, for book making. Like, just, I've always been a reader ever since I was a little kid, and I've always been a writer. So I think there was this whole thing of, like, really having this love for writing and reading and just wanting to express it, and I just didn't know how. And, and with my background in art history, it was a lot of visual culture, but really they didn't really even introduce bookmaking to us that whole time. So I really found bookmaking uh, through zine culture, you know, and going to these art conventions and zine conventions and meeting people like that. And so I really wanted to try to translate all this all this happening or all this community that I was meeting through these conventions into my actual work, at, you know, as a job. And, and then she just took a shot in the dark with me and said, oh, you know, you're really qualified to be my research assistant. Like, would you want to do that? Is that something that you want to do? And then, you know, as we worked on the publication together, and I continued the job with her the next year with a different 
with a different hat, but I really liked being in the library and just seeing firsthand what it's like. I mean, basically the reading room is quite small, but it has a very, very large collection, you know, off-house storage and, and different oh, yeah. spaces, right, where it's housed. So it was really neat to just see the kind of whole thing. And it's so, I mean, people come from all over the place. We had so many, um, uh, like, visiting scholars we had so many um different researchers coming from the east coast students librarian students and what what was exciting is a lot of the younger you know a lot of my peers that were you know getting their mois um were talking about zine culture and so you know there was some sort of triggers we were talking about the same things and it was always these people that were studying you know to be librarians and so so now I'm on this different path, you know. Um, I'm not sure what the next step is in terms of, like, a job for me, but I, and I'm going to continue eyeball burp wherever I am. It's almost like a part of me now. It just travels with me. But then I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the next thing, like, do I get more schooling or, you know, do I keep doing this grassroots librarian thing? Or, you know, right now I'm kind of in this process and I've been... Um, I'm currently writing a paper about um, zine making and, and DIY self-publishing within the Asian American community from the 90s to today. So I'm kind of on this journey where there's like these key players now that are popping up in my mind and I'm trying to meet them and talk to them and pick their brains about their their journeys as Asian American self-publishers because I think it hasn't really been a topic that's been covered a lot in our community um, and it's so prevalent I mean uh, I, I, I mean I'm Japanese American and I grew up in LA um, but and there's always been like community newspapers ethnic community newspapers and newsletters and all the sort of self-published uh, grassroots media, you know, alternative media sources around me. Um, and so it's, it's surprising that, like, people are only now kind of getting into or knowing about zine culture, but it's nice to see a younger generation growing up alongside of it. And, and I, I just kind of want to document it for the last about 20 or 30 years just to see, just to, for me to see where it, it is going, you know, just be able to track it for myself. Oh, I'd love to see that paper when you're done writing it. Yeah, I'm in the midst of it right now. Um, I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to go back to school right now, so it's it's a little bit like my what I'm considering my stepping stone, but it's my bigger project in the end is what I want to study, right? So um, that's currently what I'm doing this summer, <laughs> besides moving. <laughs> So I'm wow. trying to track down some of these people. Actually, V. Um, Vale, who was at the L.A. Zine Fest, he was one of the main speakers. He is a publisher of research publications. Oh, yeah. I found out that he is actually Japanese-American, so that on some level triggered something in me. When I found that out, I didn't, I w I didn't realize that, and um, I, I was really intrigued by it because here is a... Uh, a Japanese American man who f who first has a name change code, so he he kind of has his pen name going and a mysterious you know background. But also he's soup you know he's so involved in in this counterculture documentation. Almost they call him a cultural anthropologist, you know. And I find that so fascinating. 
that individuals like that are out there that are just out there to document the 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 culture that's happening around them as it's happening. That's really exciting to me. It's not just in the past. It's like I'm currently interviewing these people right now. These are currently their thoughts. You know, oh, yeah. it's so exciting. I hope it yeah continues, and then our kids can look back and see how it was. Yeah, yeah. Today. I think that's so important, right? For us to for us to move forward, we have to kind of look at what's happened. But where do you, um, where do you think this is all going as a librarian yourself? Do you, think, uh, do you think things are going to, you know, how there's like the digital versus the print conversation or, you know, things like that? Yeah, it's definitely mo- moving digital, but there's always going to be the print from the archives that you can't just um, get rid of. You're always going to have the original document and you can hopefully scan it so it can even be lasting longer without being um, handled. Mm-hmm. in person so mm-hmm. it'll be a mixture but it is definitely more um, online which is greater access throughout the world you can see um, documents from all over the world online through PDFs and really high resolution um, JPEGs or different formats it's just uh, greater access to all I think it will increase research and just um, thinking in general I think yeah yeah and this yeah. has um, concluded our half hour but, and it's gone by so fast because it's just great information you're sharing with us in the community. And I really um, i am happy that you're on and to talk about your research assistantship at UCLA Reading Room in the Asian American uh, Archives with, uh, was that Marjorie Lee? Yeah, yeah. She's an amazing genius and gem of the community. Uh, you should go visit her. She's, it's very exciting. <laughs> oh, definitely. And then see you at Zine Fest and good luck moving. And thanks, Anne, for being our guest on Our Digital Future today. Oh, thanks so much, Ziva. This is fun to talk about books and things with people. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. And everybody go check out um, your publishing as well on online. So yeah, thank you. are welcome. Ha- um, have a good day. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for having me. Anytime. So that there was Anne, and that was definitely exciting. Check out um, Eyeball Burp, I believe, and it's online and seven issues. And this has been the public affairs slot for 839, so stay tuned for more great public affairs programming with the next KCI public affairs host. I have been ZBZ with Our Digital Future.